Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Beer and Biceps podcast. Uh, today I'm looking at six ridiculous fitness myths that everyone believes. I will be doing this um, hopefully with absolutely no background noise from my neighbours who've been slamming doors every 30 seconds for the last fucking hour. And hopefully no interruptions from my dog either who has, well when I last saw him he was trying to have sex with a blanket. So um, Today I'm also drinking a Nottinghamshire beer uh, which... It's quite appropriate as I've been living in Nottingham since 2018 and haven't showcased any of their beers on this podcast, which is unfair because um, they've got some excellent beers up here. Right, so uh, first ridiculous fitness myth uh, is the idea that lifting weights is dangerous. Um, there are lots of reasons why people don't want to lift weights, but one of the ones that I think a lot of people sort of feel is that lifting weights is dangerous. Um, which is kind of an interesting one, because uh, if done incorrectly, of course it's dangerous. Uh, but I'll say that I worked in gyms for 10 years and spent possibly seven or eight hours a day, six days a week in gyms, and I only ever witnessed one serious injury from lifting weights. And that was when somebody's uh, pec tore whilst doing a bench press. It was pretty horrific. And to be fair, I didn't actually witness it, but it was on CCTV and I watched the replay about nine times with every other personal trainer. Disgusting. Um, but yeah, it's it's surprisingly... Uh, if you perform weight, uh, weighted exercises properly, um, it's actually very... Non, trying to think of words. There is little danger of being injured. Um, there can be injuries like um, chronic injuries from bad form or you know from repeated movements over time. But in terms of acute injuries, as in barbell falling on head, very very low risk. Um, in fact, uh, most sports can uh, are much higher risk, and uh, jogging is even higher risk than sports or lifting weights so your perception really should change with this um and don't avoid lifting weights because you're afraid you're going to hurt yourself um most exercises are pretty easy to learn um provided you keep the weight sensible and don't get, let your ego get in the way you should be absolutely fine so yes that is a ridiculous fitness myth in my opinion okay the second one is uh foam rollers can increase flexibility um I've tried to be a little different with these uh, fitness myths because um, when doing research, I looked at a lot of other fitness myths, but I think that most people already know them. Like, So I've tried to, to um, find slightly more interesting ones. And I think foam rollers is a good one. Um, there are a lot of benefits to using a foam roller. Um, there's a, It can increase blood flow. Um, it can help reduce pain after a workout. Um it can help you feel a bit better the next day if you do some foam rolling um, when you've got like a delayed onset muscle soreness. What foam rollers can't do is long term increase your flexibility. Um, but it's something that's always told said about them that if you keep foam rolling, you'll improve your flexibility and then improve your mobility. Um, but the benefits of foam rolling for flexibility only last about 10 minutes. This is something that's been found in multiple studies that in the first, you know, in the first five, 10 minutes after foam rolling, you will see slightly more flexibility, but it has no impact on your long term flexibility. Um, you'd be much better off um, stretching, actually, um, 
which incidentally is something that's going to come up on this list pretty soon. Um, but yeah, uh, foam rollers, also they don't really reduce your risk of injury, they won't prevent DOMS, um, <clears throat> and they probably won't make much difference to your actual performance in the gym. Uh, there are some benefits to using them, but they are massively overrated for most things. Okay, uh, ridiculous fitness myth number three, um, the anabolic window matters. Uh, you might not have heard of the term anabolic window, but you've probably heard of the idea or the theory, which is that you need to have protein immediately after a workout or your muscles will not grow or recover. This is sort of true. You do need to have protein in your system to help you recover from exercise and to help you grow. But the idea that it's a one hour window immediately after your exercise is completely false. Um, your, you, uh, your body stores protein and releases it very slowly and this can take hours after eating it. Your body will still have protein. So if you had a high protein meal two hours before your workout, you will still be able to use that protein after your workout to refuel your muscles. So don't worry about it. Um, also, if you have protein four hours after your workout, you'll probably still be fine. So don't worry about that. Um, that doesn't mean I don't think you should have a protein shake after you get back. Uh, most people don't have enough protein, so it's a good trigger movement. Finish workout, have protein shake. You know, it's stuck in your head. It's an easy habit to create, so why not do it? Um, but just don't worry. Don't, like, rush into your local shop and buy as much protein because you're worried that your gains will vanish. It's not going to happen. Uh, so, yep, that uh, is definitely a myth. Uh, number four, this is probably one everyone's heard. Um but stretching before a workout to avoid injury is a myth. Um, specifically static stretching, which is the type you always see before people go for their first run of the year or something. You know, the quadriceps stretch where you grab hold of your heel and squeeze your thighs. Or the hamstring stretch or stuff like that. Um, doing those stretches will not reduce your risk of injury. And also they may actually even increase it slightly. Um, although... That's not very likely. Maybe it'll increase your chances 1%. Um, static stretching doesn't really um, prepare the muscles for exercise. If anything, it just tires them out a little bit. You're creating a, a long, slightly difficult contraction of your muscles. So it's not going to... So if, you, you know, it's, if anything, it's going to tire it out slightly. So um, I wouldn't bother, which moves me on nicely to the next uh, ridiculous fitness myth which is that warm-ups and cool-downs are necessary at all. Um, I should clarify, I don't mean um, that if you're about to do some deadlifts, you shouldn't do some exercises to warm up your muscles. What I'm talking about is the 10 minutes on the treadmill before a workout and 10 minutes on the treadmill after a workout, which I'm fairly sure, certain was just invented by personal trainers who are lazy. <laughs> um, there's no point to it. Um, it doesn't reduce your risk of injury. It doesn't prepare your muscles properly for the exercises you're about to do unless you are warming up doing the same or similar exercises. So if you're about to do three sets of deadlifts, a warm-up that includes deadlifts with a lighter load, that makes perfect sense. Or 
you know, because the deadlifts work the hamstrings quite a lot in the lower back, perhaps some, you know, light, uh, high rep uh, leg curls, that would be a good warm up for a deadlift. Running on a treadmill is not not going to do anything for a deadlift, um, except tire you out and um, increase your body temperature, which doesn't mean that your muscles will be less likely to get injured. Um, there are something like a lot. I see a lot of people do um, resistance bands before a war, uh, workout, and that's probably more acceptable. But what I will say is that most of the people who go into a gym are not professional athletes. They are not going to train like professional athletes, and they're not going to train at the same intensity. They probably aren't also going to have as many mobility issues as an athlete because they just don't train as much or at the same intensity. Um, if you are going to going to the gym for an hour, do not spend the first 20 minutes ro- uh, warming up with a foam roller or resistance bands or something like that. It's just unnecessary. It's uh, overkill. Um, just do... A, slight, a light warm-up on the exercise you're about to do. You're about to do three sets of six reps on the bench press, then do two sets of 20 reps with a very light weight on the bench press to warm up, or some push-ups. You know, these exercises are the same as what you're about to do, so they're actually working the muscles in the way they're supposed to be worked. That is a much better warm-up. It will save you a lot of time, it'll actually help you perform better, and you'll get more out of your session, because at the end of the day, most... Most of you listening to this are probably there in the gym because they want to lose a bit of body fat, not because they want to, you know, set a new powerlifting one rep max. If that is what you're doing, then yeah, by all means, foam roll away, um, resistance band away, you know, do what you need to because you're going to be pushing your body to the absolute max. Um, if you are just a regular person like myself, you don't need it. I'll tell you this right now, I have never warmed up and I have never been injured. I mean, don't get me wrong, that is clearly anecdotal evidence. I'm just saying that it is massively overrated, in my opinion. And cooldowns, I've never seen the point in them. Maybe, like, at the end of 90 minutes of hard cardio of a football match, or cooldown's useful, but dicking about in a gym for 50 minutes, you don't need a cooldown. Just walking back to your car or walking home will be a good enough cooldown, in my opinion. Uh, Right, this is... uh, the last ridiculous fitness myth, and it's one I don't really hear that often, um, but it's certainly something that happens to a lot of people. And it's this belief that strength training, uh, strength training can change the shape of your muscles. Um, you see this all the time with uh, glutes and with in women and pecs for men. Um, resistance exercise can increase the size of your muscles, but it cannot change the shape of your muscles. Um, resistance exercise can burn fat which can appear to change the shape of your muscles by removing the fat around them but it can't change the shape of your muscles some of you will be genetically gifted and have amazing glutes amazing shaped glutes and there is not that much that you can do to change them that's not saying you can't change how they look and it's not worth doing it absolutely is but if you're looking at a woman on Instagram with the greatest ass in the world and she's saying, all I do is three sets of 10 squats, it doesn't, do not listen to that woman because that is not going to work for you because she's got genetically gifted glutes and most of us don't. Um, you can massively improve them and you should try your best and follow really good 
work out specifically for them, but don't expect miracles from this because we all have slightly differently shaped muscles and we can only make them bigger or smaller and we can have them surrounded by more or less fat, but we can't change how they're shaped. Um, this is actually a better example is pecs for men. Um, the pectoral muscle is kind of a fan shape, but um, it can sort of look slightly different for different men. Uh, some men tend to have flatter and larger pecs, whereas others tend to have more, you know, even, we're talking here like perfect pecs, but some men have more like, they almost look like, uh, almost like breasts, you know, sort of like big and whereas the other ones are flat and thin. Um, those are just two different sizes of pec and two different shapes of pec and some guys will have more like uh, more flatter ones and some of them will have uh, rounder ones there's nothing much you can do to change that you can increase the size you can reduce the fat but that's all you got and don't waste your time trying to like i, I always hear guys talking about doing more incline to get um to change the shape of their pecs it's not going to happen um that doesn't mean you shouldn't do incline though it's a great exercise uh, it's just it's not going to give you um, more defined chest. Okay, so those were six ridiculous fitness myths. Um, I kept that quite short because I've been I've been looking back at the podcast statistics. I've noticed the ones where I talk about beer um, tend to get a lot more people interested. So I'm going to spend a bit more time on the beer than usual this week. Um, so today I'm drinking Elsie Mo, which is. Um, a golden ale brewed by Castle Rock, which is a Nottingham brewery. Um, I've I'd heard of Castle Rock before I moved to Nottingham, but not really. But I kind of assumed it was like one of the big old-fashioned breweries, like um, Youngs or Fuller's, you know, ones that have been around for hundreds of years. But actually, it was established in the late nineties. So I mean, you know, compared to a lot of craft breweries, it is quite old, but it's not. Um, ancient and part of Britain's history. It's, you know, quite a modern brewery. Um, so Elsie Mo is a, it's described as floral citrus aroma, uh, which it's got from Challenger, Bobeck and Aurora hops. So I'm going to have a smell and see if I can actually smell anything floral or citrusy. It smells a beer. I don't know what I was expecting to ama suddenly amazingly find that I have this great nose for beer. But yeah, you can get a sort of, um, there's a little bit of a citrus aroma. I don't think there's a citrus taste though. It's just a nice beer. Um, what I found quite, uh, quite interesting about this beer is um, I thought the name was kind of something like a big deal, um, but actually it just, it's supposed to refer to the type of malt they use. So I thought, well, that was a bit of a shame. Uh, but apparently um, they recently changed the the logo. Um, so if you look at the bottle in the picture of this podcast, you'll see it's a uh, woman flying a what looks like an RF, you know, like a Spitfire or something like that from World War Two. So I'm guessing that's supposed to be Elsie. Um, I was like... Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if she was like the first woman pilot in Britain or so, you know, something like that. And maybe she was from Nottingham, but apparently not. What happened was um, Elsie Moe used to be um, just a standard sexy woman um, that, you know, like um, on US fighter planes in World War Two, they had the sort of they'd like paint an image of a woman, like a sexualized woman um, on the side of the plane. Um, 
and that was what she was in this. She was just like um like a 1940s style pinup in like suspenders and all that. And uh, apparently they changed it to an RAF fighter pilot because they wanted to appeal more to women and like you know get away from the sexism. And I was sort of like, oh here we go, this political correctness gone mad, you know. And then I read that. Um, so they did the change in 2018, but um, this beer's been around for ages. So um, I read this, which said um, they changed the image in 2007 to make breasts twice the size. And I just thought, all right, maybe. Maybe they were being dicks. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- that's probably the most interesting thing about this beer. Um, it also was a 2016 finalist in the Champion Beer of Britain, which is a competition run by Camera, which is Campaign for Real Ale, who are like the biggest beer guys in Britain. Um, they run all the beer festivals. They have membership and all that sort of stuff. So getting to the final of that was quite a big thing for this beer. Um, and yeah... I quite like it. It's it's a bit strong. No, it's slightly stronger because it's bottled. So it's about 5%, whereas normally it'd be less than 4 I've actually looked at the Castle Rock range, and a lot of their beers are around the 3.5 to 4.5 sort of range. So for them, this is quite strong. But for me, who drinks Belgian beers and craft you know, IPAs, this is pretty weak, which I'm absolutely fine with. Uh, yeah, no, it's really good. Um... Castle Rock's most famous beer is their Harvest Pale, which became yeah, it was voted the supreme champion beer of Britain at the Great British Beer Festival. Um, but I don't know which one because it doesn't say anywhere. But Harvest Pale is um, about three point eight percent, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Really good beer that one. Um, although I've only had it twice, I should really be drinking that more, considering it's possibly one of the best beers in Britain at the time. Um, but yeah, so um, the Castle Rock Brewery, um, I've I've been past it a few times. It's um, it's quite noticeable in Nottingham because it's right near the train station. There's this huge blue sort of um, looks like a barn. Uh, it's got uh, so um, it's got a big painting of some guy who's probably incredibly famous to Nottingham, but as a Londoner, I don't know who he is. Uh, maybe it's Sir Nottingham. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Definitely would recommend Castle Rock. Um, I don't know how available it is outside of Nottingham. Um, like for this beer just was like the co-op down the road, and uh, my missus brought it back, and it's yeah, I'm really really happy about it. Um, but if you can find any of their beers, give it a go, or come up to the Nottingham Beer Festival, which I've been to a lot of beer festivals, and the Nottingham one is really good because it's all done in the um, ice hockey ring. Um, so yes. Once COVID's gone, hopefully we'll be able to bring people up here and they can check that out. All right, so this, uh, I've kind of rushed through this one. I'm feeling like I should pad it out for 10 minutes, but I've got nothing really to say. Um, Next week, I am looking at something else. I've just realised my notes are not here. Um, Have an excellent week and I will talk to you then.